Good morning, church. Thank you for joining us for our 10 a.m. hour worship. Those joining us online, a very good morning to you and welcome to Amokyo Methodist Church 10 a.m. hour worship. Well, today we celebrate Mission Sunday. Well, we are also starting and embarking on a six-part mini-sermon series to talk about Jesus' mission on earth. Well, this series will run all the way to the end of September, starting from today. But what does it mean to be on mission? Well, last week we have a dear sister of ours by the name of Jennifer. If you remember her sermon, she shared her own unexpected mission field called Safe Place. Well, we support which supports unsupported pregnant women and families in making life-giving choices. Remember that wonderful sermon? Hope that it has impacted you. And if I were to ask you to guess my own mission that God has given me, well, you might assume it's closely linked to my role as a pastor. Right? Not, not surprised. But to be honest and really honest with you, it wasn't always so clear. About five to six years ago, I had completed my theological education. I was settled down into a church staff role and life seemed quite comfortable. However, that's when a red flag went up. Where I realized that I had become too comfortable in my work, relying on my own abilities and not even seeking God's guidance and direction when I'm doing God's work. That's when I knew I was in trouble. So I presented God three options. Well, the first is to change my role, right? Too comfortable, change to something new. Second is to leave the church for a secular job. Again, something a bit more exciting, a new role. And third, to become a Methodist pastor. Well, I guess, and I believe you can already guess which path God led me on. But interestingly, back in my Bible school days, I was against, totally against the idea of becoming a pastor. I even made a pact with a classmate about it. I told her, if you be a pastor, I will be a pastor. Then she challenged me back. And told me if I be a pastor, she will be a pastor. Basically, we're just challenging each other to be pastors because we both felt that we won't be. We do not want to be a pastor. But here I am standing here today, really an, an unlikely vessel chosen by God to fulfill his mission. An unlikely vessel chosen by God to fulfill his mission. And this verse, Psalms 119 verse 105, we even sing this verse. Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. This scripture passage, this verse has been a steadfast beacon in my life. It has illuminated my journey, shown me the next steps to take, especially during pivotal moments when I answered the call to serve as a full-time minister of God. Well, as I reflected on my own journey, I'm really compelled to extend this heartfelt invitation to each one of you present here today. If you sense even the slightest whisper of God's call to serve Him full-time, whether as a church staff, a missionary or a pastor, I encourage you to lean in, to investigate and to pray about that calling. Now there is a video for you to explain a little bit more. Can I ask the AV team to show this video?
having conscientiously gone through the rigors of theological education, the local churches and track board of ministries examination process in confirming the call to ministry, the work of a pastor begins. Almost 300 years after John Wesley's Aldersgate experience in 1738 that sparked the Methodist movement, halfway around the globe, the Methodist Church is today one of the largest denominations in Singapore. With the arrival of Bishop Dr. James Mills Thoburn and Reverend William Fitzjames Oldham on 7th of February 1885, the planting of Methodism on Singapore soil has taken place not by might nor by power, but by the Spirit of God. But how do we hold fast to the doctrine, spirit and discipline with which the early Methodists first set out? to continue the mission for which God had raised the people called Methodists? For that, men and women need to hear the call of God upon their lives for the ordained ministry of word, sacrament and order and take up that call. All I can say is, it is really the grace of God. And like the Apostle Paul, I would echo that I'm truly unworthy. And I would say that I'm the chief of sinners and why God of all the people in the world chose me. To this day, I think I'm still awed by His grace and His love. And um, I just find that it is really a privilege to be able to serve the Lord. And I thank Him for His grace for calling me into the ministry. I always feel it's a great privilege to serve God because I get to impact lives for eternity, to make a difference for eternity, whether it's preaching the gospel so that some people, you know, hear the news, they come to know Jesus for the very first time, or for those who are already Christians, to disciple them, to equip them, and yet being able to challenge them with new revelations from God's truth, from God's word, so that their hearts are stirred, they want to realign themselves to God's purposes in their lives. Now I have the privilege to serve and journey alongside with the youth in the youth ministry and young adults. I'm particularly full, my heart is so full to see how young people grow to love Jesus, not only um, their parents' faith, uh, but their own faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. One of the things I find really rewarding about pastoral ministry is to get front row seats at the Kingdom of God unfolding in the church, in the nation, in society and in the lives of the congregants. I think it's a real sacred privilege for whenever someone in the congregation trusts me enough to open themselves to me, to invite me into their inner life, where I can then help them to discern where God is in their journey. Another thing that I find really rewarding is preaching, and each time I step off the pulpit, I'm just hit by this profound sense of how God still speaks through donkeys even till today. And it's really a feeling that I really can't, I can't find anywhere else. I hope that the 40 years which I've spent as a pastor, as a uh, teacher in the seminary, as somebody who has been actively involved in social outreach uh, programs and so on, I most certainly hope that I have touched life and I have blessed life. Jesus once said that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. You know, I believe these words of Christ are particularly apt for our present situation now. I think most of you would know that in the coming years, we will be facing a shortage of pastors in our annual conference. And unless our people arise and heed this call 
to be pastors in our annual conference, I'm afraid we may face a leadership crisis. And so therefore, let me challenge all of you to this challenge and to this call to seriously consider serving our Lord in the pastoral ministry. And my last words to all of you who are listening to this call here will be the very words of C.T. Studd, where he says, quote, Only one life, it will soon pass. Only what is done for Christ will last. God bless you. Hope you can see that we're all connected in one way or another. Right? Pastors from different churches as we come together, even our pastor in charge, Pastor Anthony is also up there. And you can see our church, certain parts of the video is in the sanctuary or in King David room with our youth. We're all connected and pray that as you discern God's calling in your life, you can speak to uh, the pastors, the staff, we're happy to discern the journey alongside you. Well, I'm, but I do recognize right, that not everyone is called to full-time ministry. Right? Not everyone. Maybe you're not called to be a pastor, to, to work in church, to be missionary, etc., etc. But I believe everyone is called to be on mission with the Master. So you might not be called to full-time work, but you're called to be on mission with the Master. And perhaps you are feeling unqualified. You see all these pastors like, yeah, Pastor, that won't be me. I won't be up there. You feel unqualified to be even be called by God to be on a mission with Him. You feel that like you're the least likely candidate to be chosen. Even there is a ranking um, process by God, you feel like you're right at the bottom. Least likely person to be chosen and called by God. And if you are feeling like that, that's actually the correct feeling. That's the correct feeling, guys. Because God wants to use the most unlikely people, often in the most unlikely of places, at the most unlikely times, for perhaps the unlikeliest person. Let me repeat this whole unlikely things. Right? Because God wants to use the most unlikely people, often in the most unlikely of places, at the most unlikely times for perhaps the unlikeliest person. Now today I also want to draw from the same story of Jesus and a Samaritan woman in John 4 that our sister Jennifer shared last week and we didn't coordinate uh, by the way, this passage. But we want to look at it again because this story holds powerful lessons for us. And this story unfolds in a land marked by historical tensions. A region called Samaria, Jews and Samaritans shared a history of strife and division rooted in deep-seated religious and ethnic differences. Yet it is with this backdrop that we find Jesus embarking on a journey with his disciples passing through this land of tension and turmoil. We find ourselves at Jacob's Well, a place where people gather and where basic human needs are met. Well, Jesus, of course, tired from his journey, takes a moment to rest by the well. His disciples head into town to buy food. After the disciples have left Jesus, a Samaritan woman approaches the well to draw water. Jesus then initiates a conversation with her. And here we see a convergence of cultures 
an unexpected interaction between a Jewish man and a Samaritan woman. Now imagine the Samaritan woman surprised when Jesus asked her for a drink of water. It was a simple request that would forever change her life and the lives of those around her. And the woman questions Jesus, why would a Jewish man engage with a Samaritan woman? But Jesus' reply really breaks cultural norms as he speaks of living water, a source of eternal life that quenches spiritual thirst. Through this encounter, the woman sees Jesus as a prophet. She raises an important a topic of great significance, which is the expectation of the Messiah. Well, Jesus boldly proclaims, I who speak to you am he, truly revealing his identity as the long-awaited Saviour. You know, this woman, this Samaritan woman, unlikely encounter with Jesus really becomes and starts a catalyst of transformation. She leaves her water jug behind, rushes back to town, telling all who will listen, come, see a man who told me all I ever did. Can this be the Christ? Her testimony filled with excitement and wonder draws people to encounter Jesus for themselves. And this is the backdrop of our story. In the middle of this conversation, the disciples return with food. Remember, the disciples went to town to get food. They returned with food and saw that Jesus was talking with the, the woman. His disciples then urged him to eat, right? eat the food that they bought. But Jesus declared, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. My food is to do the will of him who sent me to accomplish his work. Well, the first mention of food in the Bible is taken from Genesis chapter 1, verse 29. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth, and every tree that has fruit with seed in it, they will be yours for food. This is before the fall. God gave vegetables and fruits for us to consume as food, with the exception, right? There's an exception back then before the fall, which is the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Remember that story, familiar story to us in Genesis chapter 1? But how about meat? All the guys are more interested in this part. How about meat? After the flood, God gave instructions to Noah in Genesis chapter 9. Everything that lives and moves about will be food for you, just as I gave you the green plants. I now give you everything. So food is essential for survival. right? Jesus in our story today, the Samaritan woman was not just talking about physical food. He was specifically talking about spiritual food. Jesus knows that we all have this innate need because food gives us nourishment, both physically and importantly for our bodies. But here Jesus is talking about spiritual food. Well, back to physical food. Food is important to give us nutrition, to build muscles, maintain good health. Likewise, in our spiritual health, we need a balanced diet. We need a spiritual food to give us spiritual nourishment. In the book of Isaiah chapter 55, it talks about both in this aspect. It says, Is anyone thirsty? Come and drink, even if you have no money. Come, take your choice of wine or milk. It's all free. Why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? Why pay for food that does you no good? Listen to me and you will eat what is good. You will enjoy the finest food. 
Well, God knows that food is important. Physical food is important. But later on in Isaiah 55, further down a few verses, it talks about spiritual food too. It says, Let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that He may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God, for He will forgive generously. Your God is calling us to eat physical food and to draw on and come close to Him to eat spiritual food. So like the Samaritan woman, if you think you are the unlikely person, truly the point is an unlikely person is anyone who needs a spiritual diet that consists of an encounter with Jesus. Right, let me repeat it. An unlikely person is anyone who needs who needs a spiritual diet that consists of an encounter with Jesus. Basically, it's everyone. Everyone needs an encounter with Jesus to draw on, to eat this spiritual food. Jesus says He's the bread of life. Whoever comes to Him will never hunger. Whoever believes in Him will never thirst. He is the source of life. Truly in Him, we find the essence of life itself, the way, the truth, and the life. In Jesus we find meaning to life. And this is the Jesus that revealed himself to the woman. And today he's here to reveal himself to you and me. This unlikely woman met and encountered Jesus at an, an unlikely place through an unlikely conversation. Like what I mentioned just now, if you responded in your heart just now, in your minds, that you are the unlikely person to be called by God. What more the Samaritan woman? If there's a ranking again in God's calling and you feel that you are at the bottom, what more the Samaritan woman? How far further down is she in the list? This woman found herself encountering Jesus not within the walls of a religious sanctuary like what we have here, but at a well, a communal place that turned into holy ground. It truly serves as a powerful reminder that godly encounters are not bound by physical space, but are woven into the fabric of our lives. Godly encounters are not bound by physical space, but are woven into the fabric of our lives. But the story doesn't end with the woman's encounter with Jesus. The disciples were part of the story too, right? They wanted to get food for Jesus, but Jesus wanted them to learn something. A truth. And he says here, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. And here's the profound truth of what Jesus is trying to tell the disciples. He, say, he says, or Jesus is trying to say that Jesus' strength and nourishment is rooted in him serving and fulfilling God's will. Jesus' strength and nourishment is rooted in Him serving and fulfilling God's will. Well, imagine you're the disciples, right? You're already pondering the unexpected encounter between Jesus and the Samaritan woman, and you just want to give Jesus some food. But now they find themselves further perplexed by the timing of His response. They merely asked Jesus something to eat, and Jesus' reply was, in this matter, a spiritual truth in the midst of just wanting Jesus to eat something. What an unlikely occasion and time for Jesus to share a profound revelation, right? But isn't that the beauty of our Lord's teaching? 
Like a parent, he makes use of every teachable moment in our lives to teach us important truths. If only we are sensitive to his revelation. If only we are sensitive to his revelation. Well, to partake in this spiritual food that Jesus is talking about, Jesus invites us to join him on his mission. Previously, we saw how anyone can be the unlikely person who needed Jesus. Right? Anyone can be the unlikely person like the Samaritan woman. Now, an unlikely person is any spirit-filled disciple that is willing to be on mission to labor for Jesus. Now, let me read to you again. An unlikely person is any spirit-filled disciple that is willing to be on mission to labor for Jesus. It's because Jesus went on to, to tell, to say to the disciples, do you not say there are yet four months? Then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life. So the sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here is the saying holds true. One sows and another reaps. I send you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. What Jesus basically is trying to say is he was, he begins by referencing a familiar saying. Familiar back then, but maybe not to us, but back then it was familiar. Four months more and then the harvest. Well, this refers to the cycle of farmers sowing and then waiting patiently to harvest their crops. Right? So they, they sow and they wait patiently to harvest their crops. Jesus then takes this physical truth, something that they are familiar with, and spins it into a spiritual truth. Just as a farmer eagerly awaits the moment to harvest his crops, there are hearts in this world. There are hearts out there ready to accept the life-altering message of the gospel. And dear friends, the time to harvest is right now. Right now to tell the gospel so that we can harvest these hearts. Well, if Jesus is saying the harvest is ready to win souls, who are the reapers? Surely not the disciples. They are the unlikely group, uneducated, prone to doubt, even arguing among themselves. Yet despite their shortcomings, Jesus chose them to be the sowers and reapers of the gospel message. This disciple's life, an unlikely group of people, was transformed from ordinary to extraordinary. Truly a living example of the transformative power of God's grace. Well, if you and I, if we consider ourselves as disciples of Jesus, and we should, because we are the unlikely people that can be used by God too, we too are called to then to follow Jesus. Moreover, do not forget, let us not forget the Holy Spirit given to us as a helper. Just as the Spirit inspired Peter to address the crowds resulting in the conversion of 3,000 people, we too have this Spirit in us. And I'm not asking you to speak to thousands of people, but I'm asking you to move along the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Move along with the prompting of what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. As I was preparing this message, the CNA article popped up on my phone and these words are taken from our former minister, George Yeo. He aptly stated that he's a Christian, so he says, 
So it's strange. Where the Spirit takes you, the Spirit works. Where the Spirit takes you, the Spirit works with a gentle breeze. You could be still and sense it, then move with it. Right, then move with it. Be still, sense it, and then move with it. So friends, family, what is the Holy Spirit moving you towards? Today I have a few suggestions to bring to your attention for your sensing and prayers. In the month of September, we have an upcoming fantastic fiesta, a funfair carnival held right here in our church on the 9th of September. Right, it's not very difficult to remember, 9-9. Right, we do have a flyer that just came out today, fresh out of the oven. Pretty good quality. How can you test whether it's good quality? When you fan, you can feel the wind. Good quality. Okay, so just like the Samaritan woman who went, who had an unlikely encounter with Jesus, she really she went back to town, right? And she shared her testimony so that others can encounter Jesus. Can I ask you that you ritually be still, ask the Holy Spirit to prompt you to invite two people to join us on 9 September. You can definitely pick up more than two flyers right, from your cell leaders and they are good quality. You see somebody who is hot, you fan them. You can feel the wind, just nice. <laughs> Please come and join us on 9 September for our, our carnival. Right, so remember I asked, remember the thought that I asked you to hold on to. Are you the unlikely person that God can be used? Be your heart, you say yes. Maybe you say yes, no, maybe. Well, today I want to challenge you to make two choices. Two choices. The first choice mirrors the story of the Samaritan woman. An unlikely individual who encountered Jesus became a living testimony of his transformative power. I'm sure many of you here, if I ask you for a story of how you encountered Jesus, there is a story. Friends, you have a story to share. Your story, your encounters with Christ are powerful tools that you can draw others closer to God. As you share your story with others around you, share your life, share your testimony, truly, as you do so, the love and grace of God will surround you as you, do, as you share your testimony. Well, the second choice invites us to be like the unlikely disciples, to be sowers and reapers of the gospel. Regardless of whether you plant the seed or gather the harvest, the reward is equal and eternal. Right? Equal and eternal. And I believe within your friends, your family, there are individuals who are facing struggles. They are uncertain about the future. There is hopelessness in their life. It's truly your mission. You feel like you are the unlikely disciples to bring them the message of salvation. Bring them the message of truth and hope, to be a vessel through which God's love and healing touch can flow. Share with you a story. Recently, my wife and I went to JB with our neighbours. While we were there, they found out through Instagram that their friend was also in JB, so he came to join us for a meal. Well, this friend is a larger-than-life character, very friendly, the life of the party. He's your go-to guy when you need to laugh or someone to hang out with. Oh, we found out that his job is a professional poker player. Well, as we were chatting and enjoying the delicious black Hokkien meat that was in front of us, I can still feel the taste that is in my mouth. Something stirred inside my wife and I. Under all the jokes and laughter, we sensed layers of pretense that he was masking a loneliness that he was feeling deep 
within. After our meal, we wanted to head back, but the jam back to Singapore was about two to three hours long. And rather than getting stuck waiting in traffic, we decided to continue our conversation at another location where we had more privacy. While traveling to our next location, he revealed to us that he is in a dark place right now. He doesn't know whether he is fighting angels or demons. After a period of conversing with him, through the prompting and leading of the Holy Spirit, my wife sensed that he had a depressive spirit within him. And then subsequently directly asked him if he had thoughts of committing suicide. He briefly admitted that he had and started listing the different ways that he had thought of killing himself. He concluded that he wanted to go out with a bang by jumping out of an aeroplane but not opening his parachute. Once we heard that, alarms bell, bells began ringing in our heads. We, could, we asked then for permission. As we end our conversation, we asked for permission to pray for him and quickly share whatever knowledge or assurance we knew. After, prayer, after praying, my neighbours and this friend shared that they felt God's presence in the room, a sense of warmth and peace. We told them that the emptiness that he is feeling can only be filled with Jesus. Only Jesus can give him meaning to life and turn his messy and empty life around. We later found out that this friend only allows three Instagram, three Instagram stories every day. And our neighbor's story just happened to be the third story that he clicked on. And that's how he found out that we were in JB. Looking back, my wife and I truly felt that this was a God moment that we were all in JB at the exact same time to be able to have this life-changing encounter. It was an unlikely opportunity at an unlikely time in an unlikely place, but God was in it all. My wife and I simply followed the prompting of the Holy Spirit. We simply were the voice for Jesus. Nothing more, nothing less. So friends, once you accepted Jesus into your life, you become an ambassador of God. Become His hands, His feet, His heart, His voice. You are the church to the lost. In your daily interaction, whether in your workplace, your home, among your friends, you are a testimony of God's goodness and grace. So can I invite you to step boldly into this space, to this time, to the lives of those around you and be Jesus to them. All this can only be done through your obedience and willingness. Without obedience, without being willing, you will not be able to fulfill your mission. No matter whatever form it may take, truly your mission is to touch and transform the hearts and lives of those around you. So can I invite you, as you go forth from this place, you step out of this century, having encountered Jesus for yourself and now being led by the Holy Spirit. My last question to ask is, are you ready at the most unlikely of times to be the most unlikely person leading another person to encounter Jesus? Are you ready at the most unlikely of times to be the most unlikely person leading another person to encounter Jesus. Come, let's pray as we ask God for strength, for help,
Ask the Holy Spirit to fill us. Father, as we sit before you today, as we hear your word, maybe you have dropped a name in our hearts. Maybe it's a family member name, a child of ours that have gone astray, a colleague at work that is struggling, that has shared with us a problem in their lives. Maybe it's a family member going through a health issue. Father, will we stand in the gap for them? We pray and intercede. We bring before you this name right now. And Lord, we ask for your grace to touch them. And Lord, you reveal to them in a personal and real manner. You reveal to them like how you reveal yourself to the Samaritan woman. You reveal to them in their own place, in their own time. That you be their God, their Lord. So truly, Father, we come before you to be your light. Because where there is light, darkness flee. Where there is light, your presence is there. So God, we ask for your presence to fill us, to go with us, to go before us, ahead of us. Let your light shine in our lives. And every step that we take, let the light shine and your name be glorified. So we give you thanks. We ask that you continue to speak to us in our daily life. Reveal to us the words and the actions to take so that we, be, we will be an ambassador for you. We will make a difference. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.